You're listening to the Soul Care Podcast. I'm Elaine Hamilton, the founder of the Soul Care House, a group of therapists working in community with a shared perspective about the path towards healing and change. This podcast is about creating a space for real conversations about real life struggles, a place where you can gather insight and support for issues that are relevant to you and the people you love. So sit back, put your feet up, and let's talk. Hey friends, I'm sitting with Leanna Tankersley, who um, if you listen to our podcast in the past, you've heard her a few times and of course I love having her with me at my table talking about life and um, today we're going to talk about some hard stuff. Um, Leanna's in the midst of a real big transition and um, she's been, you know, sort of forging through that with her tribe for about a year or so and is at this point um, feeling ready to share that with her readers and her listeners. And so we thought we would do that um, today together. So we're going to just launch in. Fortunately, Ken has made us cocktails, which is what we need today. So cheers, cheers. To, to that. Necessary. To a big conversation today. It's true. Okay. It's true. We are truly going to be sipping through this whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> what I don't, what I don't understand is why there's no chocolate on the table. Oh, shoot! Like we're idiots. Wow! Well, and chips and salsa. Oh man, that, that would have helped tremendously, right? Snacks. Jeez, I'm snacks. Down for snacks. When you're having a hard time, snacks is real good. Yeah, soothing even. And if it were winter time, we would be wearing fur, which would also be helpful. But it's too freaking hot right now. No way. For any of that no. business. No, it's like ninety degrees. <laughs> it is. We can't. We can't be covered in fur. No, we can't. Okay. Suffocating. Okay, Lee, do you want to just uh, begin wherever you want to begin, and I'll just follow you around? Yeah. Um, okay, well, this summer I shared, um, like you said, a big transition in my life. And about a year ago, um, exactly, actually, my husband, Steve, came home from back-to-back deployments. He had been gone um, for the better part of a year as a result of both those deployments. And... Um, he uh, told me that he wanted to pursue divorce. Mm-hmm. And um, like many couples, there are areas in our marriage that were, you know, sticky and difficult and um, places that needed work. But this was really surprising to me and um, not at all what I wanted. And um, so I, you know, did what I thought I could do, which was change his mind mm-hmm. and try to fix what was wrong. But that was also very um, hard to understand and hard to know what that could even look like. Mm-hmm. And you realize really quickly in a situation mm-hmm. like this that you actually don't have control over another human being. Right. And I think that's probably one of the biggest things I learned the quickest is that you could be with a person for almost 15 years and they could make a decision that was um, separate from you yeah. and pursue that decision. And you can try to tell them that you don't believe that's a solution or that you don't agree or it's not where, where you want your life to go. And um, But they get to choose. Mm-hmm. They get to choose. And you have no say. You don't have any say. Mm-hmm. So... Um, Pretty quickly, I realized that I wasn't going to be able to change his mind. Steve's like pretty resolute, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, um, he was. And uh, so, yeah, we tried. We tried to, um, I tried to kind of say, let's explore some different paths and some different options. And that th- those weren't viable for him. Mm-hmm. So um, this has been a year of separating our lives out from each other and figuring out how to do that and figuring out how to um, take care of our children and take care of ourselves and and um, without each other apart from each other yeah 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 I mean what what's been amazing to watch is like um, how you've done this and I, I know it's been excruciating but at the same time, you've done it with a lot of grace, which has been really remarkable to watch. Um, Thank you. And it it just it's just a reminder of like, um, you know, all the things that you've been writing about the last few years. It's like those things are 
we're seeing those concepts deepening in you, like the things that you've been writing about, the places that you feel like you've been invited to grow and learn. It's it's like those things in some ways prepared you a little bit. I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but it's like... No, I think that's true. I think especially writing Begin Again, mm-hmm. um, in the timing that I did, which, you know, we decided that that was going to be the title of that book Yeah, almost three years ago, right? And so... That was in the works um, before uh, Steve got home and before life started changing. And so I did I did one revision on that book after Steve had told me his plans. But for the most part, God had really given me that book before any of this happened. Mm-hmm. And so I think it did. I don't know if it eased the transition, but I had this sense that... Um, I had the re- I had the resources I needed to walk through it, and yeah. that didn't mean it was going to be easy. Right. But I felt very early on like God saying to me, "I've given you everything you need to go through this, mm-hmm. and it's going to suck." Yes. <laughs> yeah. You know, and yeah. um, but but you are not dangling um, off the edge of a cliff with n- with no- nothing there to catch you. And I and I didn't really feel that way. Yeah. It felt more like to me. This is Everest, and I have to climb it. Mm. But I have the gear, and I have the companionship and the people to do it. You know, wow. and yeah. so it's very count. Another thing that I learned: it's very counterintuitive when you have been with a person for a long time, and you really value relationships and being connected. To need to all of a sudden, instead of thinking about that person and their needs, yeah. to really turn your focus onto yourself and your own needs, right? And to feel like, what do I need to get through this? Yeah. And um, that was also a big learning curve for me. And I think that is where some of the, I mean, just ironically, or in the in the great economy of God, mm-hmm. He allowed that content to um, be within me. Mm-hmm. And before me, as I was walking through this, and so some of the things I even talked about in Brazen about finding your voice and kind of coming home to yourself, yeah. and um, those have just been invaluable. And yeah. I never had to practice them in as difficult a um, environment as I've, I've had to in the last year. So it's like, okay, mm-hmm. you know, you've written about some of these things, and I wrote them from the heart, you know, mm-hmm. but then to go through something. The hardest thing you've ever been through. Yeah. It's like, okay, you're going to put your money where your mouth is, right, you know? Right. So um, I think, too, I um, I said this to you one time, and it was, this was a big revelation for me. Hmm. Um, I'm not losing my person. I'm realizing that my person is me. Yes. Super profound, right? And that was a, I don't know if you call it a reframe or a, uh-huh. I don't know what, uh-huh. a shift in energy for me. Yeah. Where... What felt just like only loss, yes, felt yeah. like a finding. Because hmm. it's like I actually have an opportunity to walk with myself and to um, just nurture a relationship with myself and care for myself and trust myself. Whoa, mm-hmm. <laughs> with some pretty big decisions and some pretty like unclear ways forward in a lot of this. And, yeah. Um, and so that's kind of been a little bit of a mantra for me to just remind myself that my person is me and I can show up every day for me mm-hmm. and I can get myself the help I need. I can get myself the rest I need. Yeah. And that if I make my person me and I'm serious about that, I will have the capacity and resilience to take care of my children and to move through this. Mm-hmm. Would you, do you agree? I mean, totally. Do you see that? Totally. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it reminds me of like something you wrote in breathing room which was three books ago right is this idea that the only thing you can control is the way you treat yourself and i think uh for a lot of folks going through divorce is so disorienting and so so shakes your sense of self and your sense of self-worth even absolutely that you can really easily get lost in what's happening to you and forget that you're still here yep and that somehow your job is going to be at least partly to take care of yourself in this, like as it is to take care of your kids and take care of all the things, right? But yeah. like a, a big part of your job is when you're going through something that's so difficult and traumatizing, can you take care of yourself? And can you, can you believe the, in the value of that? And yeah. that's something you were writing about years ago, like when the babies were little. Yeah, yeah. You know? And trusting, you know, in addition to taking care of yourself, um, also 
trusting yourself. Mm-hmm. It's very easy to to just start really coming after like, did I make a you know did I make bad decisions? Could I have avoided this? Could I have changed it? What could I have done for there to be a different outcome in my life and mm-hmm. for my children especially? Mm-hmm. I think my grief around my children has been very significant, yeah. you know, and it's it's like, um, can I? Can I trust myself? Mm-hmm. And that and that usually you're doing the best you can when you're making some of these really big decisions and you're getting the counsel that you, you know, can mm-hmm. and should. Mm-hmm. And um, can I believe that um, there's a wise center inside of me? Yeah. And can I access that wise center? That has grown me this year um, tremendously. I can feel it mm-hmm. that I just... I can figure out what I need and want sooner and I can trust it. Yeah. Whereas I think that was a little, that, that in, in certain seasons of my life anyway, has been uh, somewhat nebulous. As, as someone who writes about their life, I imagine, and you know, we've talked about this some, but like how challenging is it to be somebody who writes about their life and their experience and then to go through this and, how do you figure out, like, what do I say about this? What do I not say about this? How does this impact my credibility, mm-hmm. my integrity, like all of that? Like, how, how have you worked your way through that? Mm. Well, I think this past year, I have written about this. I've just written about it um, subtly, right? Mm-hmm. Without putting language, specific language to what's exactly been going on. If people have read stuff that I've written in the last year and I talk about a messy middle, right? Right. Like an unresolved protracted situation in my life. This is what I was referring to. Yeah. And it, it, this doesn't happen quickly. It doesn't resolve quickly. There are a lot of steps along the way and decisions that need to be made. And, um, it, it isn't as black and white as a person might think, Mm. or maybe I even assumed going through it. And, So I just, again, going back to what we were just talking about, about trusting myself, or if there's a person out there that's going through this, trusting yourself to know when it will be time to talk about it Mm -hmm. and to not push yourself to talk about it. Or I just didn't feel the need to do that and to talk about it before I was ready. Yeah. Because there was so much that was unknown. Mm -hmm. Is this really going to happen? Is, um... How long is it going to take? What do I really have to say or report? And I had a lot of people say to me, you know... Um, you don't necessarily owe anyone any information about this. And I think there's a lot of truth in that. I also think that the the kind of, which is very tender, the kind of um, relationship that I have with my readers mm-hmm. and the tribe that is with me is really tender and yeah. it's really personal. Right. And readers share really personal stuff with me and I have shared really personal stuff with readers. And so I knew there would be a time where I wanted to talk about it. In mm-hmm. fact, someone recently said, you know, we're going to hold this with you. Mm-hmm. I don't even know this person, right, you know, right, yeah. but I felt so comforted by yeah, that. They're so for you. Totally. Yeah. And like, we've established this bond. And so, you know, I just, it does it didn't occur. It, it doesn't, I don't frame it like, um, well, I don't have, I don't owe anyone information. I feel like we've all walked together. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to share this together, right. right? Right. But it just had to be when I could do it and I could talk about it in a way that um, I could put words around it. Yeah. And I just, I don't know. Yeah, I had to trust myself with that. But if you look back, you'll see I've been talking about it all along. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I imagine some of your readers have have, you know, wondered like what what is going on because it's so protracted as you said, right? Like she's obviously going through something really difficult and so they're already prepared in that way to hear about what's actually going on and and it's certainly going to influence your writing in the future, yeah. right? Like now you're you're going to be writing as a single mom even though you spent a lot of time in the last couple of years parenting on your own, right? This Mm -hmm. is a new kind of doing this on your own. And it's going to, it's going to impact your stories and your journey and all that in a way that um, I think is very relatable to lots of folks who are doing the same thing, right? This is um, so not unusual to be happening. Mm -hmm. You know, so, so many folks are going through this and how helpful for them to hear you talk about, 
how you're navigating it and what you're learning and how you're continuing to grow as a person and and how you're taking care of yourself and that mm-hmm. and being your own person I don't know that we've heard that message mm-hmm. much at all yeah um yeah and I am yeah. my person I'm not losing my person I am my person yeah yeah and um yeah I mean every day this last year pretty much almost every single day I had to go lay down for 30 minutes to an hour almost mm. every single day, you know? Mm. And sometimes when you're kind of high functioning and high energy, you know, it's scary. Right. It's like I'm losing my capacity to function and deal. I forgot a lot of things this last year, like yeah. my get my kids school or, oh, I forgot the teacher's birthday gift. And it's just like, you know, or someone would walk up to me at church that I knew really well. I could not think of their name. You know, it's like your brain is out to lunch. <laughs> right, you know, right. your, every, your brain, your body, everything is processing so much. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I mean, just accepting our limits when we're going through something that's, mm-hmm. you know, traumatic and exhausting and ongoing. And mm-hmm. um, me realizing that I, I have three little kids I need to take care of and be there for and also help them walk through this yeah. by the way, yeah. you know, and help them process and be there for them. And so, um, yeah, there were days that were scary where it's like, I don't have any energy and right. it's, it's scary and depressing and, you know, but. And they need a lot. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. What are, what are the things you think have been helpful um, in terms of helping them through it? Like, what, what do you think the things are that have worked? Hmm. For you with that the first thing number one thing that comes to mind is we got them in with a play therapist at soul care which mm. you know and mm-hmm. um she's just been exceptional at helping them navigate their feelings but then also helping to coach me and also steve with what's what's helpful in talking with them yeah and so and then i was seeing my own therapist and she really had some great suggestions about how to navigate um how to navigate the situation with the kids and and what what things are helpful to talk about and what things aren't and how difficult especially that it is for kids when um they feel stuck in the middle and mm-hmm. and how that immediately happens is when the parents are at odds yeah. and they're pulling the kids from one side to the other and that that can be the most traumatizing thing of all feeling like they have to choose or they're caught mm-hmm. or there needs to be one good parent and one bad parent and so very early on we were given that advice to um, even protect our kids from any sense of um, there being this giant adversarial energy all the time and that they had to choose, you know, because that was going to be really traumatizing. And I mean, as you know, I'm just a person in general that's comfortable talking to my kids about how they're feeling about things Mm -hmm. for the most part. And so a lot of it was just being intentional about, um, talking with them and then and then letting it go and having yeah. and then the other thing that was I think helpful is I focused a lot this year on getting my kids around their friends mm. because yeah. when they're around their friends they're just having fun and they're being kids yeah you know I have two nine-year-olds and a six-year-old and a lot of their life is playing and so um yeah we need to talk about this we need to process it we need to accept that it's actually happening because mm-hmm. there's also a we were also told that especially with the young, with L, our little one, that denial can be a real big part of this, you know, accepting okay. that this is actually happening. Yeah. But um, as we, as it became clear that the kids were doing well and understanding what was going on and getting through the initial shock, I just tried to inject a lot of fun in their lives, you mm-hmm. know, and then yeah. Christmas we got a puppy, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, and the puppy is like, you know, um, precious and also the bane of my existence. Right, right. But what would bring comfort and joy and a distraction? And I don't, I think it's been really good. Yeah. You know, yeah. so I, yeah, it's, it's the both and of diving into these hard feelings and talking about them mm-hmm. and having someone that's a professional guide help us through it. But then also helping them find joy and levity and fun in their lives because they need to be kids too. Yeah. How did you manage to not say terrible things to your children? This is the thing that you and I have such different personalities. <laughs> Leanna is, we think a seven on the Enneagram, which is like positivity and joy and, you know, a lot of loveliness. And I'm like, you know, I'm a two. I'm more intense. I'm certainly more moody. Um, and I'm going to go to, uh, I'm going to, in in distress, I'm going to look like an eight who's like 
more aggressive, right? Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's just, it's been so remarkable to watch you do this and go, I would have done exactly the opposite thing. <laughs> and it would have gone very badly for everyone. Oh, so like, how, how did you manage? Because this, this was so intense, what you were going through. How did you manage to not say terrible things? Like, what would you say to yourself? What would you do for yourself to protect your kids from what you were feeling and yeah. what you were experiencing as somebody is walking out of your life. How did you yeah. do that? I, um, man, well, you know, the phrase that I always say to you is I just don't think that's very productive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and maybe that's another way of me saying I'm in denial that I'm actually feeling anger, you know, right. but there's times where I just feel like I, somehow I can, I can just back myself up and say, it's just not productive. It's not yeah. productive to go after this person or to say things, to let it fly. It might ease some um, tension within myself, but it's going to create bigger problems for myself. And so as I could, I tried to think about what's, what would be the most productive in the situation. You can't always do that. You know, you're Mm -hmm. in the moment, Mm -hmm. but um, yeah, I ask myself that question a lot. And then (laughs) I, I have to be honest. And I think maybe some of this is personality. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is that, my my emotion has been more heartbroken than anger. Yeah. yeah. And so I I think there will probably be times where I need to access more anger. And there certainly have been times, and you've seen mm-hmm, me, where I'm just mm-hmm. like, I'm not sure how I'm supposed to be dealing with this. Right. You know, and right. I, I, and yeah, there's big feelings coming out of me. But I think my overwhelming experience has been one of just, of it being more like, this is tragic and mm-hmm. this is heartbreaking. Um which inside me feel like heavier, softer, but heavy emotions. You know, they slow me down. They don't rev me up. If okay. that makes sense. Yeah, it you makes know? sense. Whereas anger kind of will rev you up. So, and that's just my experience. I think probably we all. Mm-hmm. We have our own we go-tos. Process, right. And yeah. I think also early on, I um, like as in the next day after Steve told me this. And I don't, this is just God, I guess. I don't know what possessed me to do this. But I went online and I reminded myself of the stages of grief. Mm-hmm. Five or six stages of grief, right? right? Mm-hmm. And I wrote them on a post-it and I just stuck them on my desk. And I think what was helpful about that is that you feel a hundred different things in a day. Yeah. When you're trying to make sense of something that doesn't make sense to you and you're trying to um, navigate it. And so having that little post-it with denial, bargaining, anger, mm-hmm. um, depression, mm-hmm. acceptance, and you could usually pretty much find yourself in one of those places, right. you know, the heartbrokenness for me probably is more like the, the depression, yeah. you know? And, um, so yeah, I, and, and so then I guess too, to answer, to go back to your question is, if I could place what I was feeling in the cycle of grief, hmm. it was like, this is about my grief. Yeah. And I can blow a hole in the side of my house right. with my emotions, or I can right. say, you know, yeah, this is normal. This is about my grief. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if that answers your question exactly. but Yeah. Yeah. I think it, it sort of provides a container, right? Like if I know this whole group of emotions are normal and natural and in fact important to experience when you're going through something traumatic it creates this container of like yeah this is supposed to happen i'm Mm -hmm. supposed to feel anger i'm supposed to feel really sad i'm supposed to work toward acceptance and maybe today today i can accept something and maybe tomorrow i'll be real angry about the same thing all Mm -hmm. over again but Mm -hmm. all those things make sense and i think it's super helpful when you're going through something really disorienting to have resources or people who can say yeah all that makes sense um doing these kinds of things alone is just too hard oh because you feel crazy right like absolutely do and you just feel crazy and that's that's a great um segue or a great point that that none of this happened in this last year in isolation i was never i was not in isolation and and that Mm -hmm. as much you were asking you know kind of what helped my kids i think that helped my kids and it helped me probably as much as anything more than anything and that is um having someone who's a professionally trained guide Mm -hmm. that will walk you through this and help you process your own past trauma that's getting in the way of what's happening currently your 
you know, yeah, just how to navigate some of these conversations in a productive way when you feel like, I don't, I don't even, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what I'm supposed to say. I don't know how to handle this. Mm -hmm. I don't have the skills, you know? And then I have just, uh, as I say, sometimes an embarrassment of riches in my life Mm -hmm. with the women in my life, you Mm -hmm. and my group that I get together with and my family. Um, how many times have we all flown across the country back and forth, my family this year, you know, just, um, walking with them, walking with me through this Mm -hmm. and you guys walking, you and Ken and your kids and also my, um, yeah, just my, my additional friends that are here and you just can't get through something like this Mm -hmm. without help. Right. We need the tribe real bad. And you don't like this. Yeah. You just don't even always know what to ask for. And what ended up happening is that, um, people in my life just did things often without asking like well <laughs> dinner's on the table when you get back from baseball so yeah, you know so great here it is so great or you know i'm kind of and used to this to me we're just going to come over and tell us what needs to be boxed up or packed or what needs to be moved or what needs to be fixed you know mm-hmm. or who needs a story read to them and you just would show up without an agenda and mm. it didn't matter how, how bad I felt like my house looked or how far behind I was on all the chores and you just come over and help me do chores and um I just don't know that you can get through it yeah yeah that's a good word because I think um sometimes people get wrapped up in they'll attach this to shame like somehow this means something terrible about me that this is happening to me and it's so important to separate your value as a person from this experience right like figure out what what it does have to do with you as a person in terms of like how you're relating styles and all Mm -hmm. of that I think that's useful to do but like attaching this to a failure as a person um a diminishment in your value as Mm -hmm. a person like that is that is no good no good and not helpful and not true right and it doesn't help you move through this, which is what we need to do. We, like right. we were saying, we need to move into acceptance. We need to move into, um, you know, yeah, just not being paralyzed and going down. Right. You know, and so, yeah, we need we need the people around us to remind us that, mm-hmm. you know, I see you. I see you going mm-hmm. through something super, super hard and you're doing it. Right. And I had people saying that to me. It's invaluable because yeah. you do feel like... I'm just like crawling along here, you know? Yeah. And, um, yeah, yeah. That's just been a beautiful, you know, I, I've shared this. I think you and I have talked about it on a previous episode, but that, that idea that, um, which I share and begin again, that sometimes a wall is a door Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that concept has been so particularly meaningful to me this year because this is a wall. Yeah. This is like a big fat, wall mm-hmm. brick wall that brick i just wall, like right. ran into at full speed yeah didn't even know it was there no yep no and um it's it's just devastating disorienting all the things that you think of when you ram yourself or you get rammed mm-hmm. into a brick mm-hmm. wall yeah and then this idea that sometimes a wall actually is a door um it has reframed and transformed some of the hardest moments in this last year because I have seen the invitation to reach out to people that love me and to allow people that love me to reach in. Mm-hmm. And that's a door that opens into um, becoming more myself and becoming mm-hmm. more at ease with my tribe and receiving love, unconditional love. Not that I was on a stage earning ad- admiration. Right. It's very different. That I was like in my house unshowered and people just came over and loved me. Mm-hmm. Right. And that wears out the perfectionism in me. It mm-hmm. wears out the um, need to be capable and always winning at life. That has really gotten worn out of me <laughs> a lot this year. Yeah. And those are, that's a door. Yeah. I wouldn't have chosen it. No. And yet the gift is that some of those things are shifting inside of you because of the process. And you can feel that. You can see it. I can feel it. And so... Um, I was I was talking recently actually to Ken, your husband, hmm. and I was saying the maker of the cocktails, <laughs> the maker of the cocktails, <laughs> um, and I was using that line from um, I think it's a C.S. Lewis book title, hmm. but it's called A Severe Mercy. Yes, yeah. 
And um, mm. I don't wish that this happened. I don't wish that this is a part of my story or my children's story. I don't wish that there, I, I'm sure there's people that are listening to this that are going through this and I don't wish it upon a single soul. But um, there are ways in which that some sometimes it you can see it as a severe mercy. I have come home to myself in a way I never mm-hmm. would have. Yeah. Had I not had to look myself in the eye and say, you know, you're my person. I'm your person. Yeah. And we're going to do this. Yeah. I mean, it really, it really reveals your resilience, right? And has really created even deeper resilience in you of like, you had all these muscles and you were developing these muscles and then this hit and you like double down on all the, all of the growth points that you felt like you'd been invited into. And I certainly could see you doing that. I could certainly watch you getting stronger and getting more committed to these things that you felt were things God was talking to you about. Mm -hmm. Like it was really beautiful to watch. Um, Somehow you were finding your way in the middle of the most disorienting experience, which was quite remarkable Mm. to watch. Yeah, it's really beautiful. And sometimes I, um, what I love about, you know, sort of making it through life as we get a little older and we get hit enough times, right? Mm -hmm. Um, That one of the upsides about getting getting further along in life is there, we can develop some degree of confidence in our resiliency. Mm. Like, for many of us, the worst things that will ever happen to us happened when we were children, mm-hmm. when we had such limited coping skills, such powerlessness, you know, like the the worst the worst time for things to happen is when you have no cognitive understanding of things, you have no ability to help yourself, you have no control over anything, and yet terrible things are happening. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I use that to reassure myself that, you know, now as a grown-up, when something terrible happens, what I have in my pocket is a lot of resilience and things won't, I don't think ever be as hard as the really terrible things that happened when I was little and powerless. And the way that, you know, we've moved through life has developed that muscle for us. Mm -hmm. And maybe in some ways it just reveals, gosh, you've got a lot of muscle. I mean, that's what I just kept thinking about you throughout this is like, you would have a devastating day and then you would pull it together and you would like, you know, do something super sweet with your kids. And you'd ask me how I was I'm like, what are you doing? How are you managing this? That there's this, this, you know, stream of resilience, you know, running through you that just like, there she is. She's doing it. She's really doing it. And it was no joke watching you be such a badass the last year. <laughs> Wow. Well, that means a lot. I I think um, one of the things that I feel like we need to talk about, and I feel like one of the things that helped me have muscle that had I gone through this even six months prior, mm. I would not have had, is the idea of bring her to me. Yes. Talk about that. Um, so not even six months before Steve got home and all of this began unfolding, um, God and I had a really pointed conversation, which I write about and begin again. And I think you and I talked about maybe a little bit, mm-hmm. but about um, this nine-year-old girl that's inside of me, right? And this nine-year-old girl is um, kind of frantic and wide-eyed and paralyzed and like deer in the headlights because that was the year that my parents got divorced. Mm-hmm. And um, side note, I have two nine-year-olds in my house right yeah. now. I mean, it just, it's it's really um, interesting is a word I'll use. Mm-hmm. So I'm terrible. Yeah. Right. You're seeing, yeah, you're just watching your child go through something that you went through mm-hmm. and, and trying to help them through that. Um, and this would have been the thing that I would have done anything to avoid my children going through, period. I would have abandoned myself, sacrificed myself to avoid them having to be in the exact situation they're in right now. Right. But because... Um, God and I were talking about this nine-year-old girl and he was saying to me, you know, you spend a lot of time schlepping her around in your life and it's because she feels abandoned, she's scared, and she's terrified it's going to happen again and you don't want her to ever have to feel that way again because it was raw and horrible and Mm -hmm. um, you didn't have a lot of resources, right? Because you're nine. 
Right. And so you pick her up and you carry her around and you let her be in charge a lot. Like, especially when you're trying to make big, scary decisions, she's screaming and waving her arms. And so she gets the attention, right? Yeah. And it's like, oh, well, that part of me clearly has something to say. I better, you know, listen up to what she has to say. And so, yeah. you know, again, nine-year-olds are precious, but they can't run our lives. Mm-hmm. And I think this this inner nine-year-old was... Um, kind of had the driver's seat more than I realized. What's the kind of stuff that she was saying to you during the process? Like, do whatever you can to save this, give up who you are. Like, what what, what are the things that you felt like she was saying? You can't possibly go through this again. Oh, okay. And this is impossible. Yeah, you can't survive right. it. Yeah. And, um, you know, this is the worst. There's nothing worse for your children to have to go mm. through. You know, this is the worst possible scenario. Mm-hmm. And again, it's like, this is a terrible, terrible scenario, Right. but we can also get through it, mm-hmm. which is not how she feels. She feels like we can't, it's going to bury right. us Yeah. and we, we have to do whatever we can do to avoid having to go through this. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, in that conversation with God, he was just saying to me, instead of you trying to meet all of her needs and take care of her, why don't you bring her to me and let me, um, hold on to her and love her and nurture her because I can give her things that you never can. And so um, one of the things I did was I just sat with her. Just kind of, It may sound weird, but I just sat with her because she's screaming because there are things she has to say, right? She needs someone to listen to her. And I, yeah. I sat and listened to her and what she had to say. And then it's like, okay, God's gonna, God can meet these needs. God can hold you and take care of you and nourish you and nurture you. Um, and I'll come back and visit. <laughs> <laughs> and um, that single uh, practice concept moment unhooked me in a really enmeshed way from that part of myself and that experience and trauma in my own story. And I can tell you that over this year, just it, I just... She, I could feel her kind of flutter in yeah. there every once in a while, yeah. but she was not losing her mind. Nice. And I was not um, giving her, doing everything just to kind of quiet and yeah. support her. You know, it's yeah. like, no, we're going to have to lean into this and it's going to hurt and it's going to be hard, but we can. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you said to me, hard feelings are really hard, but they don't typically kill us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting there feeling things sometimes like this is just like a knife, but it's not going to kill me. Right. She would never feel that. Right. The nine-year-old. Right. She no. doesn't have she doesn't that know kind that. of perspective. She doesn't know that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so I, I think one of the single greatest mm-hmm. um, gifts of this year was that that work had been done right before yes, I walked goodness. into this. Thank goodness. Yeah. And so it was more of a grown-up parenting my children, more of a grown-up making decisions with Steve, sitting at the table or across the table from him, having to have very difficult, very grown-up conversations. And I felt like I could hang in there. Yeah. And maybe that's what you were seeing, is that in the past, maybe she had a little more... She was, She's pretty anxious and flighty and, mm-hmm. oh, I don't know, I don't mm-hmm. you know, questioning myself. And I felt like... a a little bit less of that this year, mm-hmm. especially at a time where maybe you would think I would feel more. Right. Does that, yeah. So right. I just, that's, that's been a gift. Yeah. I think I watched you like settle, right? Like you sort of settled that question for yourself as, as you were moving along in a few, you know, in a few months of like, is this all my fault and have I been a complete failure? And is this the end of the world? Right. Yeah, like right. you sort of settled those there. questions for yourself yeah. and then, and then you know, there was this just strength that like certainly wasn't there every second of every day because that's impossible, but was very often evident in how you were managing things with the kids and how you were dealing with the process and yeah, all of that. I think that, you know, we were talking about um, at one point about, you know, what's helpful, what's not helpful. And I think honestly, and, and um, I think honestly that People are incredibly well-meaning in these situations, Mm -hmm. and they also have a lot of advice to give. And a lot Mm -hmm. of times it's based on their own experience or it's based on how they think it feels. And it's also based on the fact that they are not emotionally involved in the situation in the sense that they don't have a connection to their part, to to my partner. I do. Mm -hmm. They don't Mm -hmm. have as much at stake. I do. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I think that, um, 
as I as I started to also be able to navigate what advice and wisdom to listen to from very trusted sources Mm -hmm. and what advice to let go of and to let that just pass right through me, Mm -hmm. you know, and not hold it. Um, and as that, as I began to do that, um, I think you also gain strength because you can get thrown around in a thousand different directions with all the ways that people sort of feel like you should be handling things. Yeah. And there's, yeah. there is important wisdom out there. I'm not saying that, but there's times where you can just get um, kind of thrown around. Mm-hmm. It has to do with people's perspective of the Bible, of yeah. God, of, yeah. fa- of just a hundred things, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that's what I also realized pretty early on is I need to also, um, I need to start trusting myself too. Otherwise, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm never going to, I'm going to be walking a zigzag line all the way, right. you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the things like, you know, when, when people are giving us advice, one of the things to look for is, does this person know my heart? Like, are they, do they know me? Right. Like, Mm. is this coming from a place of like, I I know who you are. I know what your struggles are. I know what your gifts are. I know what your strengths are. And, and so I'm, I'm giving you something that I think is really relevant to who you are as a person, Mm -hmm. as opposed to, you know, this is, this is somebody who maybe isn't in your inner circle. Yeah, um, right. Just has suggestions or an agenda, right? Like I think there are a lot of folks who believe that everything can be rescued. Mm. Um, yeah. And, you know, after spending about 20 years in a therapy room, mm. it's very clear that not everything can or even should mm. be rescued, that sometimes the healthiest thing that we can do is let go yeah. of something that's killing us or some someone who's super unhelpful unhealthy in our life and isn't moving towards health right like sometimes we just have to let that thing or person go and as hard and tragic as that might be mm-hmm. it's sometimes something we have to do to save ourselves to save our kids to save yeah to say who to save who we're supposed to become that's right right to participate in the journey of, yeah. of being of becoming yeah, I remember at one point, um, because denial, I can be in denial. Again, mm-hmm. going back to the stages of grief, you know, I can kind of hang around denial. Yeah. And, and as you remember, there was a season where I was in a little bit of denial. Like, mm-hmm. is this really going to happen? And and it was going to happen, right? Yeah. I just, yeah. I couldn't totally get my head around it. I just right. couldn't accept it. Of course, yeah. And, um, and I remember saying to myself at one point, you and I talked, and I remember saying to myself this little mantra, since this is happening, yes, and then I would fill in the blank, <laughs> since this is happening, yes. and, and it just, the preamble yeah. is, except since this is happening, what do I need? Yeah. You know, what, how do I need to order my life? Mm-hmm. What would be, what kind of space or, um, you know, help would be important right now? And mm-hmm. yeah, so that helped, like, since this is happening, how do I let go? How do how I do, move forward? Right, because you don't want to yeah. let go. Yeah. Of course you don't want to let go. You've been holding on for how long? Right. Yeah, we're in, you know, when you're when you're married for any length of time, you, you have to get in the practice of staying in. Yep. You know, and the perseverance and like, what does it look like for me to work on this again today to try to be a good partner for this person again today? And so I would imagine it feels very confusing to tell mm-hmm. yourself to stop doing right. that you have to stop doing that that's not your job anymore this person's exactly. out right yeah, it's like a, you've, you've been fighting for this relationship and connection and intimacy and um for how long i mean mm-hmm. you know over a decade mm-hmm. and then to have to unravel that and to um yeah, just um, I'm, I'm no longer fighting for that anymore. I'm fighting yeah. for myself and my kids and yeah. my health. And it's very counterintuitive. Yeah. And it does require a lot of surrender, which um, I'm not particularly great at. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who is? <Yeah. laughs> so what what would you say are the, the big takeaways for you of like these these are the concepts like if someone were to say, what do you just like keep at the forefront of your mind while you're going through this? Mm-hmm. What are the big concepts i think one um write down the grief cycle and have it in front of you Mm. to normalize what you're feeling so that you realize that when i feel um on monday like this isn't possibly what's going to be happening this isn't possibly my life yeah and then on tuesday you're like um 
well, I better sell the house because this is happening, you know, (laughs) that all of that falls under the category of what you're going through and it's normal. And so Mm -hmm. I think that's really important. I think this idea of really seeking healing for our traumatized young self Mm -hmm. um, and and making sure that we can actually show up as our grown-up self self in these situations instead of um, this young version of ourself that's just like a burn victim. Right. That's trying to navigate. It's not fair. They're trying to navigate an adult crisis, and um, but it's a young child who's not yeah. prepared and doesn't have the resources. And so, getting um, getting help from a guide with uh, the trauma of that young part of us, and and then bringing that that part of us to God, I think, is incredibly healing. Mm-hmm. And then that idea that um, sometimes a wall is a door. Yeah. And I can just say that from mm-hmm. personal experience that what we thought was an ending can sometimes be a beginning. Yeah. And um, I love the line from Barbara Brown Taylor where she says new life starts in the dark, whether it's a seed in the ground, Mm, that's beautiful, a baby in the womb or Jesus in the tomb, new life starts in the dark. Mm. And I think about that and I've held on to that this year. Sometimes when you're in the darkest place, there's new life that's going to be formed. You know, um, we talked about, we've talked about before, burning it down. Like right, what, what right. practices in my life has this exposed that have not been healthy? Have I yeah. been propping up bad behavior? Have I been being less than honest with myself about what I really need and what I've really been going through? Mm-hmm. You know, what, what, what kinds of things am I invested in that are really not serving me mm-hmm. and the person I want to become going forward? Um, and can I let go? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think you're going to be writing about next? (laughs) So many things. Well, I'd love to write about um, overtly about this journey, but I'm I'm so in it right now. Mm -hmm. I gotta live a little bit more. A little more. Uh huh. But um, you have a lot to say about it, and (laughs) it's going to be super helpful. I hope so for people to read. I hope so. I mean, I've already been writing a lot, but um, I think living some more and. Mm getting a little more on the other side and having some perspective. And I think that'll be good, but I hope to, I hope to write about, um, how I've been met. Yeah. And how this wall has been a door in my life. And thank goodness you've been like diligently working on yourself, right? Like you've been really paying attention to your own journey because had you not, this would have been 10 times worse, right? Like there were already, these thoughts and these growth points in place. Yep. And it was sort of, in, in a lot of ways, it was clear what you needed to keep working on. Yeah. It's like, oh, I already know, oh, this is another time when I'm supposed to hold on to myself. This is a, another time when I have to bring her to me, right? Yeah. Like those kinds of things were already um, loud in your life. You'd already paid attention to your own journey. And so... I wonder if that's God's work in our lives and the invitation for all of us that sometimes the stakes get raised. Yeah. And the truths that we have kind of um, sort of gotten our hands around in one stage of life, the stakes get raised. And it's like we we can turn back to those truths. We can completely abandon them. Mm -hmm. And I think the invitation for me was you're on the right track. Mm -hmm. We're going to deepen and cement some of these truths in you through – through a greater pain than you've experienced in your life. Yeah. And so then you see, um, thank God I have a tribe. Mm-hmm. Thank God I have a spiritual life and a faith and I have hope. Mm-hmm. Thank God that um, I believe new life can come from the ground. Yeah. You know, thank God that I believe that a resurrection can happen in someone's life. And that doesn't mean that the resurrection is the marriage. Sometimes it mm-hmm. is. Um. I believe that through this process, I am um, becoming a more whole version of myself. Yeah, it's beautiful. There's a yeah. part of that that you would never trade for anything. Yeah, yeah. And that's uh, that's a lot coming from me. Yeah, and I think people would say that who've gone through very traumatic things would say, you know, there was something really beautiful that was a gift in that that I wouldn't want to be without, even though, even though I don't. I don't wish that on anyone. I don't. I don't wish for having gone through it. But something emerged from that yeah. that was so sacred. 
and so life-changing. I think part of it too, it's so true, is like you you just, there's less capacity for bullshit. Sorry yeah. to say that, but it's like you, your capacity to right. lie to yourself right. is, is diminished. And you've got yeah. to start getting a lot more honest with yourself, with your pain, mm-hmm. with what's really going on. Or you don't have to. You don't have to. But that is that is a very clear invitation. Mm-hmm. Like, can mm-hmm. we face some of this stuff? Can we turn toward some of the things maybe we've wanted to be avoiding our whole lives? Right. And can we, um, can we stop running mm-hmm. and turn toward them? And then, yeah, it is, it's, it's like scared sacred, right? Yes, Where yeah. sometimes when we're the most scared, it's because we're entering into the most sacred work. Yeah. Oh gosh, it was so good. So many great thoughts. Thank you for walking with me this year. Oh my gosh. I would not have survived, thrived, mm. um, laughed. Mm-hmm. without you so thank you oh my Elaine. gosh I can't even talk about that without losing my mind so <laughs> <laughs> the upside is that we planned this day out very beautifully we're going to have this very difficult conversation <laughs> and then we were going to end the day with crab and champagne so what I, mean, I think who are was, we that was real good self-care I'm yes. super proud of us we get so, we we um we bribed ourselves we did we to did. have the hard conversation and, and that's what everyone ought to do Bribe well, yourself. You know what? Really quick, in conclusion, bribing yourself. Yes. So the the precious, amazing play therapist that my kids see, mm-hmm. she bribes them with water balloons. You know That's this. Right. But we yes. have to tell them because it's so funny. And so she gives them water balloons when they will do their work and share uh-huh. their hard feelings and be really serious about what they're actually feeling and experiencing. And at the end of the session, she goes out <laughs> into the middle of the street and she gives each of my kids water balloons and That's she so lets funny. them throw them at her it's hilarious it's hilarious and they are like they're so motivated <laughs> to be on with their work and their feelings because yeah. they get water balloons one day she came back in and she was soaking wet she's like i gotta back up a little more <laughs> like it's hilarious. So, so we all need some version of water balloon for us tonight crab, crab and champagne, champagne. oh my death row meal oh gosh well thanks for sharing your heart so beautifully and um I just, I just know that's going to be really useful to a lot of folks who are going through this. I hope so. You're such a badass. Cheers again. Love you. To you. Cheers. Love you too. Thanks for listening to the Soul Care House podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Any questions or comments you have, if there are topics you'd like us to address, let us know. Feel free to contact me at elaine at soulcarehouse.com. If you're interested in knowing more about what we do here at Soul Care, Our website is soulcarehouse.com, and you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle there is soulcarehouseandbarn. Talk to you soon.